Too many people don't know what they believe. Think about that. Too many people who call themselves Christians, followers of the one true God, the one who hung the stars in the sky, who stepped into the earth that he created to give his life so that you and so that I could have life, and who left us with his word, too many of us don't know what we believe. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, wrote a preface, and in it, I want you to hear these words that he wrote. He said, the reader of this book that he's writing should be warned that I offer no help to anyone hesitating between two Christian denominations. You will not learn from me whether you ought to become an Anglican, a Methodist, a Presbyterian, or a Roman Catholic. I hope no reader will suppose that mere Christianity is here put forward as an alternative to the creeds of the existing communions. It is more like a hall out of which doors open into several rooms. If I can bring anyone into that hall, I should have done what I have attempted. But it is in, listen to this, it is in the rooms. It is in the rooms, not in the hall, that there are fires and chairs and meals. The hall is a place to wait in. A place from which to try the various doors... The hall is not a place to live in. One of the issues that faces us, Redeemer City Church, and every church for that matter, you and me, the people of God, one of the issues that faces us in our post-truth culture is that hostility to the truth to the truth, has caused far too many of us who follow Jesus to just wait in the hall. Does that make sense? That rather than step through the doorway of sound doctrine and knowing what we believe and why we believe it, it has been easier for many of us To just stay in the hall where you know that God is real. You know that faith is working. And yet in the society that we find ourselves in, it is no longer beneficial and or practical to be a Christian. We end up living this Christianese, if I, if I can call it that, version of our secular culture. Afraid of the truth. And yet, people have always desired two things, haven't they? 
We've always desired meaning and connection, right? That's where the cliche question comes from. What happens to me when I die? I was reading an article last week that they have like supposedly figured out scientifically like what a black hole is. It's like I started reading it. It was like (laughs) went right on over me. But we've always sought for that, and we've found it in many ways. Think about just today, the metaverse exists because we want meaning and connection. And we're told that we can find it there. Think about some other problem. The WWE makes billions of dollars with millions of people by using entertainment to create connection i every day that i drive my jeep wrangler around south tampa west tampa east tampa ebor tampa heights Seminole Heights. it it doesn't matter i can drive it down south i doesn't matter where i go if i pass another jeep wrangler you better believe you know what they're doing was a like we're family because we drive wranglers i'm like let's go people are longing for meaning and connection the problem though with trying to find meaning for your life and connection for your life is that in a post-truth culture we've erased half of What matters most to human beings? Plato, around 400 BC, so 400 years before Christ, taught that in the cosmos there is an upper and a lower reality. That there's a seen and an unseen. That there's a physical and a spiritual. And there's so many words we could use to describe the two. But there was an understanding, even among the intellectual elite, that we may not agree what is the upper, but we all agree that there is an upper, that there is an unseen realm that affects the seen. The post-truth culture that we live in today, we've gotten rid of the upper. There's only the lower. There's only what you can see There's only what you can use your five senses for. We've erased meaning. We've erased truth. And as a result, many of us who are Christians are just hanging out in the hall. Because to to take a stand and say that I know the truth in our culture seems rather preposterous. If we're honest, this is why Jesus and the writers of Scripture would say things like, You're an alien in this culture. Super important for us to consider. We never find our purpose, we don't have the meaning that our lives God intends us to have. So in Titus 2, we're going through the book of Titus. Last week we talked about authority. Why should I be under the authority of anything? We talked about the authority that is in the church or the authority that is in Scripture comes from God. And so every one of us that calls ourselves a Christian, it begins here. 
Like we're saying that there is a standard and I'm going to get under that standard. I'm going to get under what is true. And we have to start there. And if you missed that last week, go, go start there on YouTube or the podcast because today doesn't make sense if we don't start there. If, if we don't agree, this is why you shouldn't have too many arguments with non-Christians because you're not starting from truth. You're not, you're, you're not starting from the same standard. So you got to back up. But for those of us in this room, for those of us watching online today, we're saying that we do have a standard, that we are going to live under the authority of God and his word. And so when you come to Titus chapter 2, Paul is going to implore Titus, this young pastor, to teach what he calls sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. Important because in their culture... Though they had not erased the upper, they were being offered a lot of different versions of the upper, of the unseen realm. They were offering an alternate reality to the truth, and so is our culture. So it's equally as important for you and I today, as a Christian, to embrace sound doctrine. And so my goal today... Just right out the gate, Titus chapter 2. I am not going to break down every word and phrase of Titus chapter 2. You don't got time for that, and neither do I. However, I'm going to try to convince you to step out of the hall and into the room that is sound doctrine, which will require, which is going to ask, which is going to invite you to take some action in your spiritual life. But to begin, Titus chapter 2, starting in verse number 1. Let me read some of this to you. This is Paul writing, being inspired by the Holy Spirit of God to write the words that we hold in our hands. It is, in fact, the word of God. So because of that, why don't you stand with me and let's just read uh, in respect for God's word the first 10 verses. You can follow as I, as I read out loud says this, but as for you, he's talking to Titus, as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may, be, may not be reviled. Might be some of your questions this week on ask us anything, right? I'm not going to break those two verses down, but I would love to in the future. Food for thought. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works and in your teaching show integrity, dignity and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters. Think employee. In everything, they are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith. 
so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine. There it is again, the doctrine of God, our Savior. You can be seated. I want you to write two things down today, just two things. The first one in response to those ten verses is this, and it's what I've been saying to you already. We need sound doctrine because it brings us out of the hall and into the room. I want you to write that down because I want you to have that visual in your mind this week. That every day that you get up, something is going to move you toward Jesus or away from Jesus. And it's important that you understand that in everything in your life, you're making intentional decisions. And if your faith is left out of that intentional conversation, it will not flourish. Strong faith doesn't just happen. Salvation is given freely to you by God, but I assure you it didn't just happen. And neither will your faith flourish, just like your relationship with your spouse won't flourish. Just like your relationships with your teachers won't flourish. Just like your relationships with each other won't flourish. Unless you show up and put in the work. Three of you were excited about that. Because it's work. Right? And so we need to keep in mind that sound doctrine here. And we're going to read it in a second towards the end of this. But sound doctrine says that something happened vertically between you and God that will be fixed forever if you confess Jesus as Lord. Fixed forever in heaven for eternity. But the gospel also works horizontally. That if you will submit to the Lord Jesus Christ and confess Him and follow His way, be His apprentice, we actually believe that it will save you presently. That the gospel is good news, not just for eternity. It is that, but it is also good news for now. That the fact that they're actually, even in our post-truth culture, there actually is truth. We've just ignored it and erased it. Actually brings a lot of meaning to the community that you're creating. So important. So important because truth does this. Think about what he said here. In this passage, all of us, nobody's left out of that. Older men, younger men, older women, younger women, co-workers, we're all being invited. And Paul's telling Titus, and when you get up to preach, when you get up to lead, when you get up to do church, invite everybody to step out of the hall and into the room. And it happens through truth, through sound doctrine. So it's really important for you and I to put in the work. We have to be intentional, intentional about our faith. So many of us are leading businesses or growing in our jobs or starting a family or starting businesses or working really hard at school and doing all of these things or parenting with great intentionality. And yet we take what is the most important thing. 
And we don't apply any of those principles to our faith. And I just want to suggest that today is the day for you to step out of the hall and into the room. For you to figure out what is sound doctrine. It's the word. Think, think about this. Sound doctrine or truth is actually the thing you build your life on. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. He said, everyone, is anyone left out of everyone? Come on, talk to me. No, no. Do you understand that we're all included in everyone? Am I going too fast for anybody? No? Good. Everyone, Jesus says then, who hears these words, right? Paul's telling Titus, preach sound doctrine. So that everyone who hears these words, Jesus says, of mine. Okay, that's what we talked about last week. Not just anybody's words. You don't need my tips and tricks for life. I probably need yours. No, no, no. I have a very different job, right? Who hears these words of mine, God's word. And, what's it say? Does them. (laughs) Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them. Right? Intentionally working out your faith will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. That's a metaphor for your life. How many of you have not been through a storm in life where the winds come, the rains fall? Who you run to in that moment is actually your functional savior. Who you run to in that moment will tell you where your faith lies. Because there's a whole lot of things that we could run to, and in fact probably do run to. Not all of them even bad. Verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority last week, not as their scribes. So critically important that we build our life on something valuable, something meaningful, that there is truth. Because if you take away the truth, there is nothing to stand on. Because if everything's relative, then who are you to tell me what I should be doing with my life? We actually don't function that way in the world. We all kind of know that there's some things you shouldn't do. Right? And that's a different philosophical conversation, but the reality is is that very few people in the world actually live as if there is no truth. We all just kind of agree that I shouldn't kill you. Like we, we just agree on that in our culture. But why? Because there's value in human beings, the Bible says. That's where that comes from. So I don't want to beat that horse, but That is 
why it matters. There actually is a truth. Look at Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16 and 17 in the Bible. It says every scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for showing mistakes, for correcting, for training character so that the person who belongs to God can be equipped to do everything that is good. Okay, we need sound doctrine because it invites us to come out of the hall and into the room where there's meaning, where there's purpose, where there's truth. Super important in our culture. So number two, the second thing I want you to write down is we need sound doctrine because it connects us to our purpose. Okay, that sound doctrine is the thing that we build our life on. So that we can do the thing that God created us to do. Look at the rest of Titus chapter 2 here. Starting in verse 11 it says. For the grace of God has appeared. Bringing salvation for all people. Okay. Most of us we understand that to be the gospel. That God brought salvation to us through Jesus. True. We affirm that. But I want you to see that salvation doesn't just stop with eternity. It affects you now. What does him bringing salvation to all people, the grace of God bringing salvation to all people, do for you tomorrow on Monday morning? What does it do? Look what it says in verse 12. So remember, grace of God appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us. It's actually the gospel. It's what Jesus did on your behalf. That is the thing, according to Paul, that trains us To renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly in this present age. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Why is it so important That God would die on the cross to secure for you eternally a relationship with him. But also that would train you and I. Why? Because without, let me put this, commands without a compelling reason to obey rarely produce authentic obedience. Right? Like, like how many of us, like, let me put it in parenting since that's what I'm doing like all the time. Are you following me all the time? My three children need parenting. Why? Why am I why am I so invested in that? Because how many of you know if I just look at my kids and go do it, they may do it, but what are they thinking while they do it? Man, that guy's a jerk. <laughs> right? No, no, no. There's no compelling reason. What's the compelling reason for my kids to obey me when I say do it? That, that, that we have a relationship. That they know that I'm not just an authority, but I'm a father. Right? And so in the same way, God the Father is looking at you saying, listen, I created you with great purpose. And if you will walk in those ways, if you will follow after me, you will find the life that you're looking for. That there's great purpose there because he gave his life up so that you and I would find it. 
So it matters that the gospel is not just a thing that gets you into heaven, but it's actually a thing that lets you flourish here on earth. That he is walking, that you're a people for his own possession. He's taking responsibility for you. What an awesome thing. Who are zealous for good works. He's training us by the gospel to be zealous for good works. What a powerful thing. What a powerful thing. The only way to live unselfishly, right? The only way to live unselfishly is out of the rich enchantment. And I use that word specifically. A rich enchantment that God became flesh so that you and I could have a relationship with him. Why do I say enchantment? Because when you erase what you cannot see, so goes your imagination. And what we're saying is, no, no, no. You need to read your Bible because it's going to re-enchant your heart to be calibrated to the one who loves you and gave himself for you so that you might find life and have it to the full, Scripture says. Exceptionally important. It's the grace of God appearing in your life, saving you presently and eternally, that trains you to live a different purpose than the one the world offers you. In this new life, right? What what does he tell Titus? In this new life, we renounce worldly passions and live self-controlled and godly lives while we live with a newly found great sense of hope that Jesus will come again. And so we live passionately on purpose, right? Zealous for good works. Passionately on purpose. With that great good news where we are the good news on earth. Amen? It changes things. And and so as you think about that reality, there's two things that I think are true. I think for starters... There's probably somebody sitting in this room or somebody watching online that you've that you've not even gotten into the hall yet. Can we just talk about that for a second? That that in this culture, truth has been erased. True meaning has been erased. And so so you may not even be in the hall yet. And and, and I would be remiss if I did not tell you. What C.S. Lewis was trying to tell his readers a long time ago. To try to invite you into the hall. And if you've never read Mere Christianity, you should. It's, it's wonderful at the bigger questions of getting you into the hall. And I just want to ask you if you are in the hall. Maybe you just know that God's probably real today. I just want you to know that not only is he real, but he's close. He's transcendent. He's so much more than we can grasp, but he's also reality. He's close and knowable. And yet it's difficult because we have to surrender control. Most people, it's not a scientific problem that they don't follow Jesus. It's not a... It's not a convince me kind of thing. It's a I don't want to do that kind of thing. It's a who's going to be Lord thing. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 10, kind of his magnus opus of theology. 
He says this in Romans 10, 13. He says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That sounds super easy. That's where this, this idea of the last 50, 60 years came from, where you just, you ask Jesus into your heart and you're good. Right? Like, ABCs, admit, belong, you know, just. But no, 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 it's bigger than that, right? Like, it's not just empty words, right? Because what are you doing? You're confessing him as Lord. Look at the rest of this, this passage. Verse 14, how then will they call on him who they have not believed? Sound doctrine, right? It's not just a magical prayer. It's a, it's a relationship and it comes through the truth. How are they to believe in him if they've never heard, if nobody tells them? How are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet that bring what? Good news. Good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? And here it is. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Sound doctrine. It matters. And I just want to say that if you've never stepped into the hall of faith, if you're if you are not following Jesus, I just want to invite you to do that now. That you would cross that line of faith. That you would not allow a culture that has determined that there is no upper that there is nothing that you cannot see. We reject that here. And just want you to know that there is a God. And He is real. And He loves you. And He would love to be Lord of your life. And you can do that. You can pray. Whatever it is that He puts on your heart to pray. There is no magic prayer. It's simply confessing. That he is Lord, right? It says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I would just tell you to do it right now in the quietness of your heart to confess him as Lord and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead that first Easter, which he did. And the Bible says you'll be saved. You'll start that process. I also believe that there's Christians in this room who are hanging out in the hall. Just to be real. We don't need to waste our time here. Can I just ask you to look in your heart and determine, are you just hanging in the hall? You see, because burnout is at the end of that. If serving God, if going to church, if reading your Bible, if worshiping Him, if all of that is just because you're supposed to or you're trying to just play the game, that's not going to last because it's not real. It's not enchanted. The the Spirit of God is not alive within your heart. I just want to ask you to honestly look at your life and say, do I need to step out of the hall and into a life that is under the truth and full of purpose? Listen, we don't create city groups and growth track and all of these things that we're begging you to get into and imploring you to get into and to invest your time in because we want to just check your name off. I'd rather go home and eat lunch. That's why Jerome's doing it. I'm just kidding. Joking. No, no, those are things because we actually believe if you will get under that, your whole life will change. If you start to see God, and if he starts to 
change you and you start to look with him, that everything will be different because your life will go from having no purpose to being one of great purpose. That's why you should sign up for Growth Track. Not just so you have another thing to do, but because if you'll give God, just give him a year of actually following him and you'll never look back. You'll never look back. Look at what Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says. It says, present your body. So important. It's not just, listen to me, it's not just an intellectual exercise. It's not. We're told to present our body. Just like Jesus embodied what he was calling us to, right? He took on flesh and lived among us and we beheld his glory, John chapter 1 says. Present your body as a what? A living sacrifice. There's the different vision for your life. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It's a life. It's a body being presented as a living sacrifice. Stepping out of the hall and into the family room means no more half-hearted following Jesus. He wants all of you this morning. And that does not mean that that comes with a to-do list. So if that's what you're waiting for, you're not going to get it here. It's a relationship. How do I know what my wife wants me to do all week? We talk to each other. And then she instructs me. <laughs> Again, amen in the church today. We each have our gifts. <laughs> he wants all of you. Present your body, all of who you are. Can I say it to you this way? For some of you, it's time to make some changes in your life. It's time to take action. It's time to make bodily changes in your life. Daily disciplines, there are no shortcuts to a relationship with Jesus. If you are not reading his word and praying, you cannot expect his blessings. If you're not giving generously to his church and to his people, you cannot expect his blessings in your finances. But you're the pastor, you should say that. I'm leading in that. My family, we'd give generously here because it's awesome. And we could just keep going, right? Like if if you don't invite God into the workplace, don't expect him to show up in your workplace. If you don't invite God into your parenting, don't, don't expect him to show up in your parenting. If you are dating somebody, don't expect God to flourish that relationship if he's not invited into that relationship. If you're married... You you don't stand a chance to lay down your life for the good of your spouse if God's not invited into that space. You'll never do that because we're way too selfish. The only way to live unselfishly is to be enchanted by your relationship with Jesus. To be so in love with him that it doesn't matter what your spouse does. That you could, what's it say? It says that you could love your husband. I promise you if he was going to write it, the other way, he would say that you would love your wife, right? Because he told, he told us that in Ephesians and Timothy and in all those places. Daily disciplines, no shortcuts. City group is for community. 
It's not just for the heck of it. We take, we apply our time to the things that we know matter. And then growth track. Figure out what God made you for. Figure out what God made you for and then put it into practice. Step three today is all about leadership. It's all about taking who you are, who God's made you, and using it in your neighborhood, in your workplace, at your church, all of the places. That's why we do what we do. It's not just so that we can do a business. It's not. We believe it will change your life. But you have to present your body. So I want to invite you to stand. We're going to sing one more song here. But rather than just stand and sing, I'm going to ask the band to sing. And maybe you do need to sing. That might be one of the things you need to do. Because the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So you might just need some freedom to worship Jesus today. But at the same time, I think there's many of us either watching online or standing here in the room that we need to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. There's some changes that need to be made either in your daily disciplines or in community or in purpose. And I just want to invite you to take a step. To take a step. Because I don't believe that you just come here because you're supposed to come here. I believe you're here today because you know when you step into that hall that represents faith, that there is more. That there is more for your life. And I just want you to, you to see that there are tangible steps that you can take. Start praying. Start reading. Start worshiping. Invite God into those spaces and places that you already are and that He already is. And allow Him to speak life into that. But to do that, you got to know sound doctrine. You have to know what he said and why he said it. Amen? City groups are going through what we call groundwork. Helping you in the daily disciplines of your faith and then exercising that in community with other Christians. It's that simple. It's taking the mask off and being real. Presenting your body as a living sacrifice. Let me pray for you. God, thanks for just the chance to be together. I pray for every person within the sound of my voice. That Holy Spirit, you would massage the truth of your word into their heart. I pray that you'd give them the courage to take the step that they need to take. If they've never trusted you as their Lord, if they've never confessed you as Lord, I pray that you would give them the courage to do that right now in the quietness of their heart in the quietness of their mind and soul. That they would surrender to you. That they'd begin that relationship with you. I pray for every Christian within the sound of my voice that's already in the hall, but maybe they've never ventured out of the hall because in this culture that we find ourselves in, truth is irrelevant. We just want to say that we trust you, God. We present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you because of what Jesus did on the cross. 
so that we could live out our purpose, that we could find meaning in the life that you've created for us to walk in. So I pray that you give every single person courage to do that. We love you. We sing this out to you because you're worthy of our praise. Come on, let's sing this out.